How's it going, everyone? This is Jason Navarro. You're listening to Tongues Out Podcast, and let's just jump right into it. So uh, for today, I want to talk about this week, what I'm going to uh, be pretty much elaborating on, but in short podcast segments. This is an idea that I came up with last week, I believe it was, or two weeks ago. It's such a blur when you do these daily podcasts. But essentially, I want to try something different for the month of July, and I told myself I wanted to start it tomorrow on Monday and try this format for the next four weeks. And so essentially what's going to happen is that um, tomorrow through Saturday, the idea is to have short 15-minute segments, um, 10 to 15 minutes, possibly up to 20 minutes. I'm going to try not to keep them longer than 20, longer than 15 minutes, excuse me. If they go into 20 minutes, it's you know my bad. But essentially the whole week's worth of podcast should be no more than an hour and easily digestible. And so, uh, so Monday through Saturday will be those small segmented um, podcasts, and then Sunday I'm gonna um, try my best to have an uh, a guest on where we're pretty much gonna talk. Those those podcasts will obviously probably be a little bit longer since there's two people or more possibly on the podcast, and so essentially um, those will you know have a little bit more flavor to them. And you'll get other people's insight on them. And generally, the guest I'm going to have on is going to be someone that is either an expert or it's someone that has a lot to contribute to that area. Um, and so we'll be picking their brain and asking them questions about, you know, what I brought up throughout the course of the week. And so um, I think it's fitting for me to talk about for my first week something that really, if I... if I didn't take this endeavor in into my early twenties and, and really apply myself to it for a couple years, really hard. I don't think I would have ever been in a position to be where I'm at in life. I've talked about it before. I think it was in my podcast talking about my biggest weakness and um, was it that one or confidence? I think, it was, or actually, sorry, excuse me. It was in my confidence podcast. But essentially, I'm going to elaborate on it a little bit more. And so this week's uh, podcast is going to be about attraction. Um, and attraction can obviously mean a lot of different, um, can have a lot of different meanings for people. Generally, I mean, ideally, in almost any interaction with anyone, you kind of want them not to be sexually attracted to you, but you want them to have some engagement towards you if you're really looking to have a long-standing relationship with them. Um, if you really want them to kind of respect who you are, that all fought, to me at least fits into the realm of, of the attraction area. And so uh, my way of getting into this and learning about this and, and really delving into this and self-teaching myself via thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of applying myself towards this was um, I'm going to, I went over this already before, but I'm going to summarize it. And especially it's going to give context to, the rest of the week. So essentially, when I was younger, I grew up in a small retirement town uh, called New Smyrna Beach off the east coast of Florida. It's about 20 minutes south of Daytona. Um, I was a big introvert. Luckily for me, though, uh, the small area that we lived in, everyone was really nice. No one was really ever a dick to anyone. And so um, just because I wasn't the most popular kid didn't mean that I didn't get along with every single person. But I was a big introvert for sure. If you got to know me, I... Um, pretty much opened up to a lot of people and I was comfortable doing that, but I wasn't really comfortable kind of standing in the spotlight. I was kind of always um, 
you know, waiting for someone to really engage with me. And when you wait for that, you're really limiting the amount of interactions you're going to have in life. And the more you limit your interactions with people, the more it becomes difficult for you to try to pursue the next engagement with someone, especially if it's someone that you're looking to, um, you know, possibly meet, possibly um, get to know a little bit better. And so if you're not working out that muscle, just like in anything in life, if you're not applying yourself to it, it's really difficult to try to pursue that. And for me, it was like that. Really, the only interactions I had, like I said, was just with friends and when I was playing video games. I was your, I was a huge nerd. Still am, technically. I mean, I'm looking at a video game right now in front of me on my computer that I've just been playing nonstop the last week. It's called Monster Train. It's like a strategy-based card game. It's, 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 like, it's like an RPG card game. It's really interesting. But anyways... Um, and I was your typical nerd. And this was, I mean, the early 2000s. And so during that time period, to be considered a nerd was really still a negative uh, stereotype. Nowadays, everyone wants to be a nerd. <laughs> it's like cool to be a nerd now. Like, I never thought of a day where I, I would literally be able to talk with anyone about superhero movies, Star Wars movies, f- like people playing video games, people streaming. I mean, I, or talking about esports, you know. I never would have thought about like the general public talking about that, but I was in that world from the very beginning. I played semi-competitively for Halo 2 and Halo 3 for MLG, and I did that for a bit, and I enjoyed it, and it was super fun, but um, I, I never was able to pursue it further than I wanted to, and so I had to kind of go back into... That was my dream. My dream was to like come out of high school, get into competitive gaming, and make a career out of it, and it, technically at that time... You could make a career out of it. You could make a good amount of money, but it was really hard. There was such a limited amount of people that were able to get sponsorships. Nowadays, you can find tons of teams. I mean, it's still difficult, but it's a little bit easier to get into it, um, to get that type of sponsorship. And we were sponsored. I was sponsored um, by a, a close family member, which was uh, super awesome. And so... Essentially, it was just, uh, it was a great experience, but I just, I could never get out of like the, get into the pro scene. It was just too difficult. I just didn't have the, the type of team that was super dedicated to the idea. I think it was just me and one other person that was like ultra dedicated and then the other two were just kind of like on board and they were enjoying it. And I, I just didn't know how to be an effective leader. The only reason I was even considered like the leader on our team was just because I was able to make really proper call outs like and I wasn't I was above average in everything technically I wasn't like the best at one specific thing but I was above average but I was what made me stand out was in games I could communicate and I could delegate a lot cuz I viewed you know competitive games and shooters as a form of chess as a form of like strategizing and problem solving and I love that you know that was always something I've always been good at and so when I got out of that and I had to kind of go get a real job and do all, all like what everyone else has to do pretty much. And it was difficult for me because now out of high school, I moved to a different city. I moved to uh, Orlando, Florida. I had dated a girl for a little bit, but our relationship just didn't work out at all. And we were just not right for each other. And that was my first girlfriend. And I didn't even start dating her until I was 18. And so I had no expertise. I was only with one girl ever in my life. We dated for two years and I didn't know 
anything about girls after that. So I really felt as if I, I was in such a state of mind that I really felt that I could never have another girl in my life without or unless it was her. So I was really fixated on my first girlfriend, even after we broke up. Like she pretty much broke up with me and it was really difficult for me to grasp that. And at the time as well, I lost a really good job because of the financial crisis. And so there was just a lot of negativity compounding onto me. And so I was at a very low point in life, financially, health-wise, like via stress, relationship-wise, like every category of what is very important to someone when it comes to their like degrees of happiness in their life, all of them were at the bottom of the, of the tier list. And so it slowly started to change when I got a job working for AT&T and I landed a really good job with them. And it was really great pay for me at the time, like really for my age. And, and I made buku bucks. I mean, this was at a time when the only way you could buy an iPhone was through someone that worked at AT&T and nowhere else. And I lived in an area of, Orla- or I worked in an area in Orlando where it was like a, uh, a popular college area. It was like UCF. And so all the people that were coming into my store were all young guys and girls and their families trying to buy them the, the next phone for them so they could have for their school year. And so I killed it. And then, you know, with the iPhone being a new thing and no one really having it, I made bank off of it. But I was a good salesperson, but I just never knew how to, like, there was other guys in my store that were really good with, like, um, having, like, really great engagements with customers and uh, I would hear stories about them, like having like female customers, they would reach out to them after the fact and be like, Hey, I want to meet up some, sometime. And they'd be like, yeah, for sure. And it just seemed so natural for them. And at the time I also moved in with my first roommate. I've never had a roommate before. I mean, my last roommate was my girlfriend and prior to that I was living with my parents. And so my first roommate was someone I met off of Craigslist and I was searching around Orlando for a nice area to live in. And at the same time, somewhere that was close to work and close to UCF and he, uh, I searched around in different areas. I went with my mom and I didn't really like anyone. And then finally I found this guy still to this day, one of my good friends, even though we don't really talk right now, John, cause you're so busy traveling the world. Anyways. Um, he, uh, we sat down, he owned his own house. He was my age. Pretty much. He was like three, four years older than me. Really great guy, super fit, Egyptian, really a, a down to earth, just really nice guy from the get go. And like, he was very proper. He had like a little office where you took me to, I mean, for his age, he was definitely someone I was like, okay, I feel comfortable with this person. This guy is like my age and, you know, definitely has everything locked down. I still like, for me, I didn't know how to interact with people so much like strangers. So this was just kind of, I wanted to make sure I felt comfortable with someone nowadays. I I could care less where I live. (laughs) I mean, I've, I've tested that plenty of times now, but, um, so yeah, I felt comfortable with him. So I signed the lease, moved in with him and end up finding out that this guy's a, a, a nurse, a very successful nurse in central Florida, pretty much all over Florida. Like one of the biggest employers is the medical field. And so um, he had a really awesome schedule where he worked four days a week and had three days off and he wasn't like, he was in control of his schedule. So he could, it was so cool. It almost made me to this day still almost want to think about being a nurse, I, especially after I had my daughter. Nurses are just phenomenal. They really are the greatest people ever. And what a great job security right there because robots will never replace a nurse. And B, 
people will always be sick. <laughs> I mean, until we figure out how to cure death, I mean, which I've brought up before, but it's not happening anytime soon. So it's a great field to be in. But essentially, he was in control of his schedule, you know, and at this point, he was like 24, I think, and I was 21. And already he was telling me like, oh, yeah, dude, like uh, I travel a lot. Um, normally what I do is I take four days on and then have the last three days off. And then the next week I start my, my week with three days off. So essentially I have six days off and then four days, um, six days off and eight days working. And I was like, damn, dude, that's awesome. That's great. And so he was like, yeah, so, and it doesn't cost me anything. I don't have to request vacation time. And so I could travel a lot. And this guy was a bachelor. You know, we had another roommate that we didn't like. <laughs> um, I already forget. I'm forgetting his name. And to this day, John is one of only two people that was there with me from the very beginning that really saw, because I, I only had two, I, and we're going to call them wingmen, but I only had two wingmen or really close friends that I would go out with all the time to, to um, really focus on, on breaking this introverted shell that I had. And so, like I was saying, you know, with my first girlfriend, I couldn't get her out of my head. And I even had a female best friend at the time. Uh, her name was Lynn that uh, I met her because I used to work at Universal for a little bit before I worked at AT&T. And she was just a really great person. And I would, you know, talk to her for like hours every night and just like she would listen to everything I would talk about, like my struggles with my ex. And she would try to give me insight about like, I just need to move forward and this and that. And I just didn't know how to do it per se. And I, I was in such a, 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 a and I, I don't want to, I was in such a confused state of mind that this relationship I had with Lynn, even where we were like really close friends, I essentially thought that us having like her way of being a really close friend to me and listening to, and hearing me out was her way of letting me know that she liked me, even though she didn't. And so, um, I was just in a, a really bad spot. And so I'm working at AT&T. My uh, roommate, John, he is just constantly having friends over and always trying to invite me out. And he's just a very social person. And so he's, you know, with his coworkers, especially they're young and they're, they like to go out and he would always come to my room and ask me if I wanted to go out. And, you know, I would always be nice and say no. Like I would just always be playing my video games. John really, really saw it because like he lived with me. So he saw my transformation over the court and it, it happened the whole time I was living with him. And so I was, um, you know, I just, I, I've, I had a good job, but everything else still was bad for me. You know, my, I let my credit already go to shit. So my credit was bad. Uh, I had no relationship. I was confused. Um, and I, all I had was just a good job and, and some friends, but they're, they weren't really close friends. They were just people that like coworkers and, um, and then my roommate and then family back at home, but I didn't really talk to them because after I broke up with my first girlfriend, I wanted to get away from my hometown because I just, I associated all the stuff that happened between me and her with Daytona beach and New Samarna. And I just didn't want to be around there. And so I really distanced myself from, from home as well. And so I really tried to do things on my own in Orlando and it was really difficult at the time. And I wasn't going to school. I wasn't going to college. I dropped out. And so I really feel, I felt like there was still a lot that I could work on. And I had a coworker, his name was Andre at AT&T. And this guy introduced me to, uh, we always, we were pretty much alike. We were almost identical. We both love video games. 
we we had the same type of humor. We would always joke around together. We would always talk. We'd always hang out. And after a while, he became like my good friend. Andre became like my my good friend at that time. It sucks that I kind of allowed my um, my second relationship to kind of allow myself to to be away or take myself away from a lot of the people that I knew, and so it created some distance between some people. I was able to re-engage that with my buddy John, but with Andre, it's just been very difficult to kind of get back. Uh, we both went on on our different paths, anyways. But um, Andre, pretty much, I I have to say, if it wasn't for him, my life, I don't even know where I would be at now because essentially he had the same struggles I had too. Maybe not as bad. I don't I don't know. We never really we never got like that deep about our own personal issues, but I knew like he was also frustrated as well. And there was a girl that we worked with that he really liked, but he just never knew how to to ask her out pretty much or, or talk to her about it. And so I don't know if it was a friend. I can't remember this part of the story, but I think it was a friend of his gave him a book. It was called The Game. It's by an author uh, named Neil Strauss. Maybe some of you have heard of him. Maybe you haven't. Uh, essentially, to summarize the book, it's a New York Times author that is – a big introvert himself, but he has a really great ability to write. Like he's a phenomenal writer. And so he does really well. And he uh, wrote books for the Rolling Stones for Aerosmith and just like a whole bunch of other people, like big rock bands. And he wrote really well for the New York times. Well, essentially the New York times was uh, picked up a piece about this underground community that launched in the early two thousands of people that called themselves the pickup or pickup artists and essentially, they were self-taught uh, womanizers that um, essentially knew the science and the ins and outs of how to attract women. Well, this kind of appealed to Neil, at the, and he at first didn't like it because he just thought the idea was really silly. And But he kind of internalized that he had an issue as well with women. His was almost as bad as mine. I think he didn't have a sexual relation with anyone until he was in college, I think. But... um. So he uh, he goes and and he meets up with this this guy. His name's Eric, but he goes by the pseudonym uh, pseudonym um, Mystery. And so essentially, all these pickup artists. The reason why we had nicknames is because we would go on online forums and we would communicate about our interactions with people. And you guys might laugh and find that this is this is weird. You have to understand it from the perspective of someone that just doesn't understand anything to do with women. Uh, like generally most people where they get their knowledge about how to attract people is from television or themselves like, you know, applying themselves in school and, and learning how to do this stuff uh, while they're in grade school and maybe having friends that kind of allow them. They do say that like guys that have sisters, for instance, tend to do a lot better than guys that don't have sisters. And I grew up in a family of all, all boys. <laughs> so, um, and I, I do know a lot of my guy friends that had sisters, they tended to do they didn't have any problems at all when it came to like having girlfriends in their lives. And so I wasn't in such a state of mind that I couldn't get over my ex-girlfriend because I felt like I could never just ha- ever have a girlfriend in my life because I went my whole grade school years before graduating high school. And that's when I finally got my first girlfriend. Most people have their first girlfriends like in at the end of elementary school, at the beginning of middle school. And that's like how big of an introvert I was. I didn't know how to express attraction to someone. There was plenty of girls that I, I thought were cute and I would love to have my as a girlfriend. I just, I didn't have the confidence. I always was judgmental about who I was as a person. And so Andre was in the same position. He, he gets introduced to this book. Essentially, like I said, Neil Strauss is 
told to write about this community. He gets so involved with the community because that's the type of author he is. He kind of lives the life of these people. And essentially, he ends up going from writing about them to essentially becoming the number one guru in this field because essentially what he wanted to do was he wanted to pick the brains of every brilliant person. And it took the first guy that he met to really show him that, damn, okay, there's something to learn from this community. And so he didn't eventually added his own spin to it. And to this day, he's still considered by a lot of people. I've met him a couple of times. He's a really nice guy, super down to earth. And his story is phenomenal. If you just read the piece, don't read it for advice. It's, it's a worse, it's a worse tool for advice. I I've, just take it from someone like me, for instance, when I first read this book, I thought it was like the how to book and it's not, it's just a really great story. And that's the way you should read it. Both men and women, you guys will really enjoy it. It's a really hilarious story. Uh, and it really details, like I said, this guy's struggles and then all the way to his achievements. And it really brings up a lot of things um, that essentially you do learn about when you, for instance, want to pursue an active career in it like I did eventually. And so after I, I read this book from cover to cover, Andre has a copy and he was like, you know, I, I, he was trying to tell me about the book and I was like, no, because I was like very hesitant. I was like, there's no way you can learn stuff about how to attract women. And he was like, trust me, man, this book is, it's going to change your life. And he was like, look, I'll buy you the book. If you don't like it, then you don't owe me any money back. But if you like it, just pay me back. And I was like, okay. I mean, there's a, there's no loss there in doing that. So there was a Barnes and Noble right across the street. I went in, they had one last uh, copy of it. it was a leather bound one. So it was a little bit more expensive so I just came out of pocket for it. I was like, whatever, I'm not going to have my buddy Andre pay more for this. So I bought it and um, I come home and I start reading the first 10 pages and I loved the writing. The writing was great. And so I was like, okay, this is, this is a, you know, it started off as a good story. And by the time I finished the book, I was like, oh my God. And then when I went online and Googled what Neil Strauss looked like before and after, I was like, wow, this guy, I mean, looked way worse than I did. And he was able to change himself. And so I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to like it for some reason it ignited something into me. It like, it gave me hope. It gave me like this pursuit that I could, and don't get me wrong guys and girls <laughs> that I know that what the, the reason for me to pursue this change in myself was not for the best intentions. I mean, I honestly, I tell all my students and anyone that I consult, that if your purpose is to pursue attraction with, with the opposite sex or whoever you're trying to have a sexual orient, uh, uh, like an orientation with, you're always going to drop the ball with it. And it's going to be 10 times harder. Trust me, because I know, and I, I've learned from plenty of people as well. I didn't have a coach in my life, but after working with enough coaches and being able to work you know, alongside them and picking their brain, I know for a fact that the worst thing anyone could do is try to learn how to be attracted by just pursuing women all the time because it's going to take you forever. And it took me forever. A lot of, a lot of pain. Trust me, a ton of pain, so much pain, especially initially. Oh my God. Not knowing how to communicate with people and then trying to come out of that shell and trying to approach even a stranger was like so difficult. And so I essentially, um, I finished a book. I go back to Andre. And I'm like, Andre, are you down for this? Like, are you down to do this? Like me and you, let's be wingman and let's just go out every single night and every single day and apply this. And he was like, well, I don't want to do it, you know, every day, but I'm down to do it after work every night. And I was like, deal, let's do it. 
I took it a little bit more serious than Andre did uh, because his whole reason for doing it was just so he could, you know, finally ask this girl out. And eventually he did. Mine, I saw a different direction. I saw, oh my God, I really feel that I can attract any any girl in my life if I just focus on just being an attractive figure for for women. And I ran with it. And I ran with it deep, almost like Neil Strauss level. Um, I thought at first... He had a whole bunch of books that he recommended in, in his book that he was reading. And I read all those books. He had uh, um, gurus that he picked the brain of. I bought all their books, read all their books. And I was just self-teaching myself a whole bunch of stuff. And um, this is where I was talking about my – it was my confidence podcast. Uh, like I brought up in that podcast, essentially you can have all the knowledge in the world. But just because you know everything about how things work, and I did. I mean I learned the ins and outs, the secret techniques – what to pick up on, like essentially um, the structure of conversation, innuendos, nonverbal communication, which is 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 ten times more communicative to you if you pick up on the cues than it, it like just hearing someone's words, and like their body posture, like your environment, and all like everything, like how to engage, how to inter- introduce yourself. I learned every part, and so essentially to summarize, like when you meet a stranger and you either become friends or become a girlfriend or whatever it is, essentially it all starts the same. You see someone that you find of interest, you go approach them, you initiate a conversation with them by introducing yourselves, you get involved in a conversation, you try to find locked in communicational points that you both find of interest, you have further deeper conversations with those people, and then you justify a means for interacting with that person after uh, that engagement with them. So you kind of continue an engaging conversation with someone. You add, if it's uh, like if you're trying to uh, be like attract someone of, of your sexual orientation, then you be, uh, be playful and, and let them know through just, um, you would let them know initially what your interests are or like what your, your purpose is. And that's a very important thing. So when you have a conversation with someone, there's a purpose. You don't just go talk to someone for just talking to them. Anyone that talks with and engages with someone, there's always a purpose behind it. So that person over there, there's something curious about them. And so you just go and approach them. And your purpose is to find out why you are piqued by who they are. You see a girl or a guy that you find attractive, that's your purpose. You want to get engaged with them and hopefully attract, you know, both of you develop a, a level of attraction for each other that you can evolve that into something more. You know, so initially, like I said, you first, that should be the first thing that comes to your mind is like, why am I pursuing this person in the first place or approaching them? Then I approach, then I introduce, then I communicate, then we um, develop a reason for, for further engaging with each other afterwards. That could be like through us talking and finding out that we have a common interest in whatever it is, being uh, saying like, oh, you like that? I like that. I know this thing that's close by that does a specific A event um, that you probably didn't know about. If you want, you can come with me next time I go there. Boom, locked in an engagement. And that's how you develop a relationship with someone in the future, right? You have a common purpose and that's that's like where you have your good close friends and that's where you meet your significant other and, and multitude of different other people that are involved in your life. And then it evolves from there to like more other steps, like, you know, with friends, like how to maintain them, like how to like have a really great uh, de- like friendship with people, how like you can learn that to the T. There's science behind all of it. And so I learned all of it. But by knowing the knowledge 
And I spent a month and a half to three, I, I think it actually was three months of learning, just reading, 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 because I just didn't feel comfortable applying it. But eventually I knew that I had to go out and apply this knowledge. But I wanted to make sure that I knew everything. And so when I finally knew everything, I was like, you know, me and Andre would read the same books. And when we finally finished the material, we were like, okay, we're ready to go out there and meet women. And so we go out and we're not able to meet women. Uh, I, I, I remember going out our first night and I finally at the end of like near the last call because it's Florida last call was like one thirty in the morning and we get there at like 10 PM. So we go literally four hours without engaging with anyone, just sitting, drinking drinks with each other and just chit chatting and talking about how it's pathetic that we know all this knowledge and we're not approaching anyone. Finally, I drew the courage to approach a couple girls and, um, yeah, I just had the worst interaction ever with them. It was, I gave the the most predictable pickup line. The girls picked up on it immediately. The guy, like guys came out of nowhere that I guess were friends with the girls. And the guy was even like, dude, did you just use a, a cheesy pickup line with my, like, I think like it wasn't his girlfriend, but like this friend of mine. And, and the girl was like, I think so. And then they started to laugh and man, like I felt destroyed inside my first interaction and I had all this knowledge and it just went to shit. And so I remember coming home that day at the end of the night and I really thought that maybe there, maybe there wasn't any hope for me. And so uh, I remember coming home and just being tearful and, and, and I was like, no, I, I got to keep going. I got to, for whatever reason. And I've only had this kind of focus, laser focus and, and desire to do something only maybe two times ever in my life. And, and this one was a big one. And so I knew that if I didn't do this, I would always be an unhappy person. There was just something about this that I knew that if I did it, my life would be different for the rest of my life. And so I I keep going and I keep going out every single night. I have a change of clothes in my car. The moment I get off work, I go out. If Andre's not able to go out with me, I go out by myself. And my roommate, John, starts to realize this because he starts to see me that I'm not in my room. And he thought at first that I was just playing video games at someone else's house. But then he started to see me like come home and I would just, he would ask me like where I was and I would be like at the bar. And he was just like, you were at the bar? Like, well, who were you with? And I was like my friend Andre, but I didn't want to tell John what I was doing. Finally, I remember he came to my door, knocked on my door and he had to ask me, Cause I think he overheard conversations I was having with Andre and he was like, dude, you've been, you know, going out almost every single night. You've literally changed overnight. Like what is going on? Like the, I remember when you first moved in, you would never go out with me, never hang out with me. Now you're always going out. And he was like, what's going on? I was like, and at this point I've had like maybe three months of infield practice I got good enough that I was able to approach anyone that I wanted to approach and communicate with them and have an engaging conversation, but I still didn't know how to to let them know that I was attracted to them. But I was able to at least approach anyone I wanted to. And so I felt good because when you get really good at approaching people, you have your first level of confidence. That's kind of a misleading form of confidence because you still are losing sight of what your initial purpose was. And so for my purpose was attracting women and when I would go in and I was having engaging conversations, I was losing sight of what I was trying to let this girl know was that, Hey, I think you're really cute. I want to pursue something a little bit more. 
And and obviously you're not going to say it like that, but just you're trying to communicate this to them like via, you know, your body language, your tone, your rate of speed of how you talk, everything. And so I didn't get that. I just finally felt happy that I was able to just meet anyone and talk to them forever. And so I remember, I'll never forget the night. John was like, what's going on? I was like, dude, come out with me tonight. And he was like, he was caught off guard. He was like, what? You want to go out with me? Like, you never go out with me. And I was like, just go out with me. And he was like, okay. And also, I, I love magic. And it's just always something I've always enjoyed. And I picked up on some really cheesy props that I had on me um, that really just were entertaining for people when I had it. But I had this like flaming wallet that I bought uh, when I was working uh, or when I went to Disney one time, they had this magic store in Disney. I think it's Disneyland or not Disney World, but I forget which store or what area, but essentially there's a magic store somewhere. And I bought a, a wallet that when you opened it, it was a normal wallet. But if you open it and did a certain thing, it would make the wallet, the top of the wallet catch on fire, like legit fire. And so, uh, and then I had some like flaming paper and or whatever. And so, I don't know. It was just like, it helped me with my engagements with people and looking back at it now, man, it's such my stories. And I can't wait to talk about them in, throughout the course of this week. This will be my last long podcast. I promise. <laughs> um, I just have to get this point out and then, and then I'll end it. But I go out with uh, my buddy John and he's like, uh, I know this really cool place that we can go to uh, Blue Martini. And to this day, I, I've enjoyed Blue Martinis. There's one here in Las Vegas and I love coming into the Blue Martini here. Their GM is a really great guy and he always takes care of me when I go there. Um, but in Orlando, the Blue Martini is in like the shopping mall area. I think it changed. I don't know if it's still open over there, but it's in this sh- uh, shopping mall and it's like on the second story of the shopping mall. It's kind of attached on the outside of the mall and then on the first story was a P.F. Ching's. Again, I don't know if it's still there. This is a long time ago. That's like 10 years ago. Um, no, more than that. 12 years ago. Um, oh, my God. Whew, 12 years. Anyways, so I go out and he was like, before we go to Blue Martini, and it's a I know it's a Wednesday night because he has this card and uh, it, essentially it's ladies night on Wednesday nights. And he has this card that allows him and a, a guest to get in for free. They don't have to pay cover. And then they get like a, a discount on their drinks. And so he would always take out his friends to go there. And he got it because he used to date a girl that worked at Blue Martini. And I don't think they do those cards anymore. But um, he was like, let's grab a bite to eat at P.F. Chang's. He's like, I always do this with like my dates that I take out or like with my friends. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, let's eat at P.F. Chang's. And on the ride there, we're we're driving to PF Chang's to eat and then to plan our night. And he was like, Jason, like what what happened? What's changed? Like literally, all you've done is play video games all the time. And now like you're I'm starting to see like your outfits are starting to change a little bit and you got your ears pierced, which is crazy. And I was like, John, you're not gonna believe me when I tell you this, but I've been learning about how to attract women for the last like three and a half months nonstop applying knowledge and reading books. And I told him about the game. And and when I was telling him all about this, he was just like, what are you talking about? What, like, what the hell is going on? I was like, just trust me when we get there, you will see it for yourself. Just take, take my word for it. And he was like, okay. So we get to P of Chang's 
And at this PF Chang's, there's a hostess that worked there. There's like three girls. They're all cute. And there's this one that I really like. Uh, she's a blonde girl. She's about my height. Um, really attractive. Even like as we're walking there, John's like, wow, look at that girl. That girl's really cute. And I was like, yeah, watch this. <laughs> so I go straight in. Like, uh, I'm like, let me, let me, uh, like, do the reservation and everything. Okay. And he was like, okay. I don't know what, like, what your intentions are. So I go up to the, the um, the blonde chick's kind of like behind the, uh, like the two other girls are behind the like main hostess. And so I'm talking to like the random girl and we're talking, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, Hey, do you like magic? Like as I'm setting the reservation and she's like, yeah, I love magic. And I was like, Oh really? Okay. Um, you're going to think this is funny, but I actually have some tricks on me. Do you want to see a trick real quick? And she was like, yeah, the, the wait time's like 20 minutes. Oh my God. I would love to see magic. And I was like, okay, perfect. And I know that the best thing you could do to, you never want to approach directly the person that you find of interest. You always want to win their friends over first. And so I didn't, I didn't go straight to the blonde girl and ask her if she liked magic. I talked to the main, the girl that was setting up our reservation. And I knew that if she enjoyed magic, and most, most of the time, most people like magic. I mean, like, especially when they've got nothing else better to do and they, they always get the same type of customers. Hey, how long do I have to wait? Uh, I got like four people. Oh my God, we have to wait that long. And so like, and, or like a, a guy that's always flirting with them. All oh, you ladies are super hot. And so when you, when they get someone that's like approaching them with something completely different that they probably hear maybe once in a blue moon, that's asking to offer to do magic with them. They were like, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that'd be super cool. And so when I brought it up to her, naturally, I knew that she was going to tell her friends. And so she invited the other two girls, the, the blonde chick and the other girl. And I showed them some magic tricks and I showed them my flaming wall at the end because uh, they needed my ID or I don't know. I, I forgot the justification I needed for my flaming wallet. And so that was like the finale was that. And the ladies just lost it. They were enjoying it. They, every time I was doing something different, a different trick, they were just enjoying what I was doing. And, and my buddy John was just sitting there dumbfounded. I could just see that he just was like, what is Jason doing with magic tricks? This is so cheesy. And so the ladies were like, oh my God, that was so, so much fun, blah, blah, blah. You're like, keep doing it, keep doing it. And then finally, like one of the servers from the inside came out and was like, hey, like table for, for two for Jason. And I was like, oh, ladies, I have to go inside. I'm sorry. Oh, you know, maybe some other time. And they were like, oh man. And I, I just remember that I would sometimes like ask the, the blonde girl to help me out with some of the tricks. And so I sit down with John and we're ordering food and this this by the way has never happened for me it was like the the stars align and for the night that i don't know it was just some level of confidence because i knew i was going out with a guy that was just a a a, a omega bachelor in my eyes like i i've never seen something like that especially living with someone um that was constantly having friends over girls over all the time and i i was just like you know i've never seen this before i've only read about it in this in these books and so um, I was like, you know, I, my, I had to go in with like a level of confidence because I knew my buddy John was just going to probably destroy me when we got to the bar. So like I worked really hard for everything I was doing. And so we're ordering, I'll never forget it. We're ordering food and I'm asking John like, Hey, what's, a, what's a good thing to eat? I've never eaten at PF Chang's funny enough. And we're ordering and he's telling me about like these noodles that are really good. And all of a sudden one of the hostess girls, the main girl comes up to our table 
And I look up at her and I'm like, hey, I thought I said no more magic tricks. And she was like, no, 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 no. She was like, oh my God, no, no, no. You can't do that kind of stuff in here anyways. And she was like, no, I, uh, you know that that girl, the blonde girl that uh, was there as well? I was, I was like, yeah. And she was like, hey, she wanted me to give you this. And so she gives me a piece of paper. And I was like, oh, cool, thank you. Um, and she just started laughing as she walked away. John was like, what, what, what did she give you? I opened the paper and there was this girl's name and her phone number and written on it was like, like hit me up later. And, and I was like, uh, like I, I just remember flipping the paper to John and being like this. And I just saw his look change from the look of disbelief, like from not believing anything I told him about to, I need to pick your brain. And so I, like the whole night, it went from this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. This is so stupid. Literally how I do things is way different than how you do things. That was so silly. And even I remember him critiquing like, why was I doing magic and stuff like that? And I explained it to him when we were sitting down eating and ordering. And finally, when I showed him that paper, and again, this never happened to me. I've done this plenty of times. And I've, I mean, I've had like fun interactions with people, but I never had that kind of like just someone like sending their friend out to me to give them, give me their phone number. And so uh, when John sees that, he just, I could see it. His face went from like, this guy's an idiot to, okay, dude. So like, tell me again, like, how does this work? So you blah, 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 this, the blah, 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 that blah, blah. And I was like, whoa, 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 John. I was like, dude, I'm not an expert. Like, I, I don't even know, like this never. And I explained to him, like, this doesn't happen for me. He was like, dude, can you like do that anywhere? And I was like, John, I'm telling you, dude, this is just random. I don't know what's going on. This has never worked out for me. And then we go to Blue Martini and this guy is just dumbfounded. As he's just waiting at the bar, he's just watching me. He's just watching me and I'm just going out and approaching different groups of guys, girls, girls, groups, all these different people and just interacting with them, socializing with them and introducing them to John and he's just like, at the end of the night, I remember it was me, him, and two girls that we left together, but we didn't like go home with each other. Um, we just like walked them to their car and we were like, well, you know, we'll, we'll hit each other up and uh, later on. And I, I just remember at the end of the night, John just looked at me and he was like, dude, do you still have that book? That first book? I was like, yeah. He was like, can I read it? I was like, yeah. He read the book cover to cover that night. I'll, I'll never forget. He The next day. He was like, dude, all this stuff works. And I was like, I don't know if it works, but it's just, I don't know. Like, I've just been learning about it. He was like, dude, let's like, I go out almost every night. You're coming with me every night from now on. Okay. I was like, deal. And so every night that Andre wouldn't go out with me, I would always have John. And so, but the cool thing about John was that he was super fit, like took care of his, like a good looking guy, tan, really fit, great clothes nice like outfits and everything. And so I remember when John was like, okay, but if you're going to go out with me, you're changing your whole attire. And I grew up from a beach town. So everything I wore was kind of baggy. I knew that. So I kind of changed some of my outfits, but still my clothes were not fitted. He was like, you're, you need to get fitted clothes. And from that point forward, I remember John went through my closet and threw out all my clothes. And he was like, maybe you should change your haircut too. And I had like a bowl cut. I've had a bowl cut since I was a kid. And I was like, yeah, dude. I should change my hair. He was like, yeah, dude, change your hair. I was like, okay. And so I was like, okay, John, how about this? I'll go out with you every single night, 
but you got to help me out. Like look really good. Like get fit. Like I'll go to the gym with you. I'll get a gym membership. And, um, and I'll like go through my closet, throw out all my clothes. I don't really care, you know, and then take me shopping with you and give me like, like show me how to dress like you and with all these fitted clothes. And he was like, okay, deal. I was like, okay, deal. And so we go, I like, he goes in my closet, throws out all my clothes. And then he's like, I got a, um, a barber that I go to. He's a really great barber. Let's go see him. Let's get you a different hairstyle. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, I need a transformation. I'm fully committed to this. I want to be, uh, I want to change up like my look. And so we go to a barber and the barber asked me like, what kind of look are you looking for? I had no idea. <laughs> I just knew I wanted to change my look, but I was asking him and he was like, I, I mean, I could change your hair to anything, I guess. But like, was there anything in mind that you had? And I, I just remember when I was a little kid, um, my stepbrothers, they used to spike their hair and I actually like spiked hair and I never had spiked hair and my mom would never let me get spiked hair. Um, or I don't think she would never let me. It's just that I never brought it up. And so I just told the barber, I was like, can you like give me spiked hair? And he was like, yeah. And from that point forward, I've never had any other hairstyle except for either spiked hair or a mohawk has always been either the two looks that I always have. And after I got my hair spiked, I looked at myself in the mirror. I finally had fitted clothes, spiked hair, like tan, uh, spray on tan. And I was just like, oh my God. My confidence just kept going up and up and up. And then as I was interacting with more and more and more people, I was just constantly like um, having my engagement become better and better and better. And I was just applying, I mean, nonstop during my lunch breaks, meeting people like girls you know, on my, uh, while I was working, being flirtatious at work, you know, but obviously I was never, um, too, you know, too like aggressive about this. Like I knew the difference. And that's one of the things I appreciate about like what I've learned is that, um, is the level of aggressiveness you could be with certain things. And of course anyone can make mistakes. I mean, of course I I've made mistakes as well, even with all the knowledge and all the experience, people will still make mistakes here and there. But I know at least now when I do make a mistake, what it was that I did wrong. Most people will just go their entire lives blaming the whole world or not knowing exactly the context of what they did wrong. And then they'll just, they'll be so frustrated with themselves because I know what that's like because I was like that. And now it's never like that. Now I know like if I have a bad interaction with someone, I, as long as I'm honest with myself and I reflect on the whole night and like, that means not being intoxicated, um, I can pinpoint exactly what I did wrong. And I'm like, Oh shoot. Okay. I probably did that wrong. If I really want to engage with this person, I should probably let them know like, Hey, you know, just want to let you know whatever happened the night before. Um, that was my bad. I could, I know exactly why we're having like a distance, like not communicate with, uh, with each other. It's, it's my fault. I'm an ass. Like I know what I did wrong and I would tell them and, and, and most of the time they'd be like, yeah, wow. At least you, you apologize and you know what you did wrong. That's most people don't do that. And so I was like, yeah, of course, like, you know, I know exactly, you know, what I did. And it's just, that's not the type of person I am. you know, once you get to know me, I'm just a, a better, I'm a better person than that for sure. Um, but I, I mean, and then for two full years, I'm not, I'm not lying. Two full years, it was nonstop going out every single night. And my bosses started to recognize this because I would come, 
this is nothing to be proud about, but I would have some super late nights and I would just have a change of my work clothes in my car. And my boss is so cool. Eric, me and him are still close friends. Uh, the GM of my store, he would, we would have morning meetings on Saturday morning meetings and they were so annoying because I would be out super late on Friday nights. And instead of going home, what I would do is I would just, the, the, and I would never be scheduled for Saturdays, but you just required to have to go there for the meetings. So essentially what I would do is I would drive my car to my, like my place of work and just fall asleep and then wake up the next and have him like knock on my window and be like, dude, Oh my God. And, but people would like, even like my coworkers were just like, dude, like they were asking me like how, like they, everyone could see anyone that was close. I had people that were asking me if I was into drugs because I was like, you know, piercing my ear, like went through a complete transformation. I was like, no drugs. What the hell? Where did that come from? And my parents didn't know what the hell was going on. They were like, Oh my God, what's happening to my son? Like my mom, I felt so bad for her. Cause like, I just, I was different. It was different for people like to go from like this introverted nerd to like a guy that was like asking people like, Hey, come out and hang out with me tonight. They'd be like, what What the hell is going on? And so finally Andre, um, and his endeavors with, uh, you know, me and him working together and, and helping each other like grow. Uh, he finally was able to date that girl. And so he stopped, but I was still single. I had no girl I was chasing. My idea was to get over my ex. And I completely did at that point. And so I was, Run, I was on a rampage through college town and I was in the perfect spot for myself. And so I had a, an interesting two years until I finally met my second girlfriend, put that and I told myself like, um, I was going to retire that and you know, we dated for a while and then it didn't work out. And then I I told myself that if this relationship with my second girlfriend didn't work out, that if I left, I wanted to try to pursue being a coach because I've always read all this material from people. And there was a guy I was following. His name is Adam lines. I was following him on YouTube because he was this British guy that was promoting something different than a majority of the coaches. Because I, I got to a point where I was getting so good at this, but I was feeling so fake at the same time because I was using other people's techniques and routines to have success with the opposite sex that I started to be desynthesized to women. I started to feel that women were predictable. Um, and I had this like really weird perspective of women and I, I just wanted to get away from that because it was starting to become like very negative. And so, um, when I was following Adam, I loved his teachings because his teachings were completely different. He was like, I'm open about, I was never open about being a nerd with when I was first getting into this. I, I felt like I had to be someone else. And that's why I really hated who I was because I just, I wasn't able to let people know that, Hey, like I love nerdy stuff. I love comic books. I love Dungeons and Dragons. I love video games. I love this kind of stuff. I felt like I had to be someone different. And so I felt like there was this pressure from society that if I was a nerd, I would just never be able to have the success I wanted to. Then Adam was teaching the complete opposite. He was open about being a nerd. He was like, I love Dungeons and Dragons. I, I play Dungeons and Dragons with like girls that are, you know, that are, are pretty much in their underwear and we're playing Dungeons and Dragons together. And I was just like, what the hell is this guy talking about? He's a great looking guy. He's uh, really great about how he talks. And the reason why I was gravitating towards his work was because on YouTube, he documented everything, not just his successes, but his failures. And he would elaborate on afterwards about like what he did wrong. And I just followed, I was following this guy as he was becoming more and more of a big name. Eventually, you know, besting 
the best gurus all around the world. And I could see why, because this guy was teaching something more than just being fake. This guy was teaching that you could be yourself, but just be a better version of yourself. And I was like, I need to meet this guy. And so after I broke up with my second girlfriend, I was like, I want to be a coach under this guy. I saw, and it was the weirdest of timings because after I broke up with my girlfriend, like six months later, I looked at his calendar for um, these events that they do called boot camps. Essentially what they do is they do weekend events where they go in and they help people um, with their coaches that are having these struggles. I never went through a program like this and I didn't need help. I felt like I didn't need help. At that point, you know, I felt like I could do anything. I mean, I was successful to whatever point I wanted to be at. But I knew I just wanted to be a coach, but I knew that I couldn't just meet this guy and just be like, hey, I want to work for you. Like I needed to show some level of commitment. So I signed up for one of his boot camps and I go to his Orlando boot camp and I'm there and I'm just picking every one of his coaches' brains and I'm just like super engaged and I'm constantly volunteering. And at the end, Adam, like uh, at the end of the whole boot camp, I will never forget it. Adam looks at me and he's like, you know, of all the people here that probably did not need to pay for the service, he was like, this guy right here did not need to pay for the service at all. He was like, this guy, I've been watching him out in the field and there's just something about him that you could just tell that he just enjoys what he does. And he asked me like, and I remember he asked every single student at the, the beginning of the, of the weekend on, on Friday day. Because we would go through seminars or essentially how boot camps work is that you go through seminars and at the end of the seminar, you would then go into live sessions where you would go out to like a bar, a mall, a public area pretty much. And you would go out and interact with you know people that you were attracted to and have coaches pretty much watch what you're doing. And then they would be able to let you know kind of what you're doing right or wrong. Essentially what I eventually started to do in the future. And so I asked Adam sometimes to give me challenges as well. And, and it was something that he just never heard from people to, to ask him to do. They would normally just ask him, like, they would try to pick his brain. And instead, I, I was like, you know, can I have some challenges that you think are pretty difficult? And let me see if I can do them. And so, like, during the day, I would we would be at the mall and I asked for, like, a specific challenge. And that challenge was just hilarious. And then at nights would be other challenges. And I would, you know... I'd, given my all and and the day one was was perfect the night one was kind of faltering uh at some point but i mean you could just see that i clearly had this passion to do something and then i remember the friday day like when he asked every single person like what's your struggle and what are you hoping to get from this i told him and i was like i want to be a coach one day i want to work underneath you and so at the end he was like you know this guy could see possibly working for me and he was like so the money that he spent towards this i want to be able to transfer that to something a little bit more serious if he's open to it. And so he had this live-in program where uh, his company was based out of Austin, Texas. And he had this uh, program called the in-house program or uh, like, a, like, yeah, it was like an in-house program where essentially you would be living in his, one of his houses in Austin and he would essentially in this house would be all the coaches, like his best coaches that he has live in this, in this house. And essentially you would be able to pick their brains whenever you wanted to. And then they would be able to see all your interactions because they would see it from, I mean, the moment you bring someone over. So you would be going out and engaging out in, in life field and they would always be around. They would essentially be my wingman, but there to help me reinforce what I, what I'm, I, I need a little bit of help with. And I went in and I, I just told every coach, I was like that it was like seven different coaches. I was like, 
guys, I want you guys to challenge me. And uh, like, these are things I do really well, but I want you guys to push me towards like the impossibilities, like really insane interactions with people. And they were like, okay, yeah, for sure. And then I knew that if I befriended all of his staff, that if I asked them at the end, especially the head coach who unfortunately passed away uh, four years ago, it really hit all of us so hard. Um, but uh, Brayden, it was such a great guy. Yeah. Um, that guy really changed my perspective on a lot of different things. He really allowed me to learn what it meant to be a coach. Like I was so good at it, but he really showed me the way of what it meant to be a coach. And it was him and another guy named Carrie. Uh, me and Carrie, we were close for a while and uh, he lived in Columbia for a little bit and I showed him around there and I just, I don't follow, I'm so bad about following what people, uh, Carrie, I'm going to reach out to you, man. I need to, I need to talk to you. Maybe you'll even be my guest for this Sunday, but essentially Carrie was, so Braden was the, like the, the head coach and then Carrie was like the, the, the trainer for coaches. Like he was the one that like, if there was a new coach that got hired, he would train those coaches. And I love, I, I was like, well, these two are their, his best coaches. So I need to pick their brains and so i had them give me the most impossible of challenges and i'm only going to talk about uh so essentially it it was 70 hours so it was a week-long live-in session 70 hours of instruction and then whatever else i wanted to do on my personal time i could do on my personal time but essentially it was 70 hours of strict like assistance and and teachings but my purpose wasn't for so much to learn something but more reinforce things i knew and also just challenge myself to try things I've never done before. And so um, I'll, I'll, I'll briefly talk about the two, the two craziest interactions that I had um, and or like the two most impactful, should I say. And so we'll start with Brayden. Um, I'll never forget this. There was a popular place he loved to go to in Austin. It's called, um, why am I forgetting it right now? Shoot. Um, oh, Halcyon. It's this little coffee shop in downtown Austin. Really awesome. And it's cool because they give you like little um, fire pits that are like you can make s'mores out of. And so friends would go and and at their tables, they would get coffee and they would have alcoholic coffee drinks too. It was like really awesome. Like this place was super sick. Actually, if I ever open up a coffee shop, it's going to be like this place. This place is like really awesome. And... um. Yeah, they would have like uh, little fire pits that you can have like little, you can all make s'mores together at your table. It was just a really chill place. It was like a cool place for a lot of college students in Austin to go to and hang out at. And so it was one of Braden's favorite places. So he was like, you know, this is during the day and we would go uh, every single day. I would be like, hey, I want to go over there and like, you know, reinforce what I'm doing and meet people, meet girls during the day. And he was like, okay, let's go there. Let's start our days there every time. And so we, I will never forget this. It's like my second day I go and um, we go grab a coffee and I see this girl outside. She's on her laptop and she's got headphones on. She's really attractive and I want to meet her. And, and Brayden was like, you know, that's going to be a little bit difficult. It looks like she's focused on something. And I was like, but I came here to, to do difficult things. I didn't come here to try to do things that other people are doing. I was like, I'm going to go for it. He was like, go for it, man. I'm, you know, I'm just... <laughs> I'm just letting you know it's going to be a little bit difficult. You know, just be prepared that she's probably really focused on something. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, fine. You know, and so I went, sat down with her, um, and I introduced myself. And, uh, I, you know, I went and did my thing. And we're talking, and we're having a great conversation. And she's super smart. Like, uh, 
she's an English major, and I'm learning that she's like writing a, a, a like a, a paper on like a just uh, she's working on a story, and she was just like into the zone. I was like, you know, just giving her a hard time about it. I was telling her, like I was talking to a friend and I was like, look at this girl. She's just so into like what she's doing. And we were like wondering with each other, like, what is she working on? Or how funny would it be if she was just like doing whatever, like playing video games instead of doing whatever. And so that was like, I, I, I don't know the context of like how it evolved from there, but uh, she enjoyed it enough that we were having a, a long discussion. I just love picking her brain. She was like a very smart person. And we were talking for hours and uh, like maybe a couple hours went by. And at this point, she shuts on her laptop. Her headphones are like completely down. And we're having a couple drinks. We're chit-chatting. She's getting to know that I'm not from there, that I'm visiting. I, I At the time, I say I'm visiting friends. I don't, obviously, I'm not going to tell people that was the reason why I'm there. The only little white lie I had until – actually, funny enough, I did make a commitment to myself and say that if I ever did – make it far enough with the girl that I would tell them, you know, um, because most of the time they would actually find it very interesting and they would actually pick your brain. And uh, it was always very interesting to, to hear what women thought after I brought that up to them. But anyways, initially I just wouldn't, it would be my little white lie I had. So I would just tell them that I was visiting a friend and um, we're talking and she's recommending like cool places to hang out in Austin. And I'm like, that's really cool. And, and blah, blah, blah. Finally, uh, she was telling me, I remember at the beginning of the conversation, she was telling me that this paper was due in a couple of days and she was working on it. Everything was going great. Nothing was wrong. She didn't ask me to leave. And I'll never forget this. I, I, there was some, I felt bad. There was something about me that felt bad. Like as if like, if I kept doing like having this great interaction, I would, you know, distract this girl long enough that she just wouldn't be able to work on her paper anymore. And I could tell that, you know, this meant a lot to her, like, you know, and her schooling and, I know what that's like because I was like that in school as well. And so I just told her like, Hey, I'm going to be in town for five more days. Um, let's exchange contact details and let's like meet up some other time. Um, you know, this area pretty well. And I would love to invite you for another coffee or drink and hear how your story went. And she was like, yeah, for sure. She gave me her contact information and, um, I go back and I, I see Brayden and Brayden was like, wow, dude, that went really well. Uh, what happened? You know, that you were in there for, for, I was, I, he was like, I was about to leave actually. I was like, um, yeah, it went super great, man. I had nothing bad to say. And he was like, so why are you talking to me? I was like, what do you mean? He was like, why are you here with me and not still talking to her? I was like, oh, well, she's got this paper that's due. And like, I just didn't want to, he was like, do you think that paper was that important? I was like, yeah, of course. She told me it was due on Friday. He was like, but did she tell you that she needed to get back to work on it? I was like, no, like I brought it up. He was like, dude, how do you know that girl out there isn't your your future wife? I was like, whoa, Brandon, slow down, dude. Like, what are you talking about? He was like, seriously, how do you know that girl out there is not your one? And you're, and you, how, how funny would it be if like five years down the line that you would, you would bring up this story about how you guys met and how, Essentially, she got a, a C on her grade on her exam paper, but it was because that she met this guy that was like one of the greatest guys ever. And it, how funny would it be if that was your guys' story? And you're, you think, do you think that future that you could possibly have with this person is more valuable than this paper that she has? Clearly, she showed you that it wasn't the case. I was like, yeah, but I mean, there's plenty of other girls. Like, look at all these people. He was like, but this one worked, right? You enjoyed it as well. I was like, yeah, she's great. She's 
she's cute and and smart and and engaging. He was like, "I'm disappointed, man." I was like, "What? What do you mean you're disappointed?" I was like, "It was two hour en- engaging conversation with someone and got her phone number and we'll meet up again." He was like, "How do you know that? How do you know you guys will ever meet up?" He was like, "What are the odds that that person will meet up with you again? How do you know there's not going to be another guy that meets up with her and then you know whisk her away and then that your story that you could have had with her is now their story." I was like, Brayden, you're taking this too serious. He was like, no, yeah, you're right. You know, maybe I am taking it too serious. You know what? But at the end of the day, I'm disappointed. And I was like, damn. When he brought it up like that and like he he did it in such a great way. I was like, damn. He's right. Like this girl never asked me to leave. And and when I reflected on it, I was like, yeah, she, she didn't ask me to leave. We were talking and I left. And it almost like she, when I was getting up, she was like, I didn't, and I don't even remember when I was getting up, she was like, you don't have to leave. I was like, yeah, but you have your paper. And she was like, I, um, she was like telling me I didn't have to go. And so I was like, fuck. I looked at Brandon. I was like, I blew it. Didn't I? He was like, you blew it. You blew it, man. I was like, can I go back? He's like, you can always go back. He was like, but it's always going to be hard going, trying to go back. I was like, no, I'm going back. He was like, if you go back, man, that's, 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 that's brownie points for you, man. That's a lot of people can't do that. I was like, no, I'm going back. So I went back. She's again back at, you know, her laptop's up, headphones back in. I go back out and I'm like, Hey, she was like, yeah, what's up? And I was like, you know what? I just realized something. We were having such a great conversation. I don't want this to end. I want to keep it going. She was like, okay. And so she shut the laptop headphones back down. And that night, we went, <laughs> I'm not making this up. That night, we hung out for like the next 24 hours with each other. I, essentially, um, I ended up finding out that she had a, a friend that she was supposed to be meeting up after her Halcyon. And this is like, it's going into like mid-afternoon. I met her at like four. It's like getting six, starting to get dark. And she was telling me she was going to meet up with a friend at their place. And I was like, cool, I'm down. And she was like, I didn't invite you, but okay. I was like, okay, cool, let's go. And she was like, okay, let's go. And so I go and I tell Brandon, I was like, Hey man, I'm, I'm going to hang out with this girl. And he was, <laughs> I just remember his look. He looked at me and he was like, there you go, man. Good job. You know? And I'll never forget from that point forward. I learned in this uh, valuable lesson that I, that you should never justify a means for why you should disengage with someone in a conversation unless they tell you otherwise. Like if someone tells me to leave, to get away from them, to, I mean, whatever context it means to leave, um, then you respect it. You do not abuse that. A lot of guys will not get understand the message, and they will. Those are like predatory behavior, pretty much. But until then, if even if like there's like complete silence, right? I've had plenty of interactions like that where there, I, I've been in a, a group setting and. Everyone's like engaging and I'm just sitting there. I don't really know what I'm going to engage about, but no one's ever asked me to leave. And essentially at the very end of the night, this person's like, Hey, do you want to hang out still? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I I honestly didn't think that was going to happen, but yeah. And I learned from that, uh, that interaction that I was like, you know, until someone tells me to leave, I'm just going to hang out and just have a good time with them and, and try to add as much value to the interaction as possible. Um, and so thank you, Brayden, because if it wasn't for that, man, I, I don't think where I'm at in life, you know, and then I use that knowledge for everything, every single thing. And that was, and that's the beauty of, of this is, um, 
when you learn to be able to attract people that you never thought you were able to attract ever in your life, then possible. Like women that most men put on pedestals, which is so stupid. Don't do that. There's no one's above you and no one is above anyone. We're all humans. We all have our skeletons. We all have our, our successes, our failures. We have the things that we don't want people to know about us. No one's on a pedestal. Just because someone's physically attractive doesn't mean that they have anything more to contribute than just that. They could be brilliant and be attractive. No one's denying that. But you shouldn't value someone just because of their physical uh, nature. If that were the case, I would never be able to be with anyone in my life because I don't really consider my, I consider myself a five out of 10 (laughs) when it comes to the physical approach. Everything else, like knowledge, I'll give myself like an eight out of 10, mouth, nine out of 10, um, like communicational skills, um, humor, seven out of 10. I'll rate myself realistically on a lot of different things, but like level of attraction, five, maybe 5.5, a six out of 10. So if I tried to rely on that, I would be nowhere right now in life. I would never have met my beautiful wife and never had my daughter. And so attraction is nothing. It's so irrelevant. You know, use it as a means to pique your interest, but you really need to get to know someone. You know, you can't just be with someone just because they're physically attractive. I mean, you can, you can do whatever you want, but ultimately just know that if your only context of being with someone is because they're physically attractive, you're going to be very miserable. You're not, those are those people that are constantly bickering and arguing about what's going on in their life. And I've met plenty of people like that, that the only reason that they're together is just because of the physical nature, nothing more. And it's sad. It sucks because there's plenty of people that are, that you can meet that are what you would consider attractive physically. And at the same time would mold pretty much with who you are as a person. You just need to meet people. You need to go out and, and socialize and understand where those type of people are going to be hanging out at. They're not always going to be at the bar. You know, you think of the the ideal type of person you would always want to be with and think of where they're normally socializing. And then you find friends that love doing those things and go out and, and try something new, go and, and interact in a, in a different environment. It's great. It's a learning experience. But anyways, so that was with Brayden with Carrie. I fucking hated him. <laughs> I hated him, but loved him with Carrie. It was the complete opposite with Brayden. Braden would let me ask him a million questions, but eventually he would be tired. He'd be like, dude, I'm not here to answer your questions. You already know the answers to these questions. Go and apply knowledge. You asked me to, to force you into impossible situations. Here you go. I was like, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I just think you're so brilliant. I just want to keep picking your brain with Carrie. It was the same thing. I wanted to pick his brain, but he wasn't going to have it at all. Carrie was pretty much like, uh, annoying to be around as a coach. Like, Great friend. Me and Carrie, we just had so many funny stories together. Hilarious stories. But as a coach, this guy would literally, you would just hate him because essentially it was why, like always, why are you around me? You have three hours of, of like live session time with me. Why are you hanging out with me right now? I'm like, yeah, but I have a question about my last interaction. Do you know what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So why are you talking to me? Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. uh, I think I see someone over there. Okay, go talk to them. And then if I tried to like make up that there was no one to interact with, he was like, are you trying to tell me there's not, you've talked to every single girl here? I I obviously say a little white lie because I was so tired because I couldn't get a locked in position with, I remember this day where I just could not have a good conversation with anyone. And so I would have to unfortunately come back and he'd be like, you're trying to tell me you talked to every single person. And I was like, yeah, he was like, okay, whatever, man. You know, if that's how you're going to, if that's what you mean by challenging yourself and, and trying to learn to 
do things that are, are nigh impossible. Okay. And so, um, he was like, okay, let's get in a car. Let's go somewhere else. And I remember we get in a car and again, I feel disappointed. I could just tell he was these guys, <laughs> fuck these guys. I remember that, uh, I was just felt so disappointed in myself. I was like, man, Jason, especially like, this is like day four. I had that awesome experience with that girl, uh, day two, day three. And I was like, this is garbage. What am I doing right now? Like, what is going on? I was, I just felt mentally exhausted because I was just constantly, I've never been in a situation where I was just constantly engaging with complete strangers nonstop. And, you know, we're halfway through the program and I'm just tired. And I don't want to admit that, but I just, I'm just like completely out of it. And we're driving. He's, he wants to take me to Whole Foods and, um, I'm going to go and I told him, I was like, you know, I want to try a whole, I've never been to a whole foods at that point, but I heard it was like a lot of young fit people, like people that I would probably find of interest or like care for themselves, go and shop there. I was like, I want to try to meet girls at a whole foods. And he was like, okay, let's go to whole foods. And so we're going over there and on our way there, I like, we're at a red light and out of the corner of my left eye, I see this girl walking with a friend. And to me, she is the most attractive girl I've seen on this trip so far. And I'm like, Carrie, that girl is so cute. He was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm going to go talk to her. He was like, dude, we're at a red light. I was like, I got to go talk to her. He was like, are you joking right now? I was like, no, I'm not going to fail you, Carrie. (laughs) And so I get out of this car at a red light. This girl's crossing in front. I get out and I I, I just, I'll, I'll never forget. I go up to this girl, her and her friend, and she's like, she's startled. And I'm like, I'm like, first off, I just want to apologize about this approach. Um, but I have to let you ladies know that I just jumped out of this car with my friend. He's right there right now. He's about to probably park on the side, but I'm going to go ahead and tell him that just give me, so, give me a second. Um, I just had to come and tell you that honestly, I've been in Austin for about four days now and I would have kicked myself in the ass if I didn't tell you that I, I think you're the most attractive girl I've, I've seen so far that I've been here and I just had to introduce myself. I would have been so upset if I didn't introduce myself. So my name is Jason. What's your name? And I just remember her friend started to laugh and she was like, are you joking right now? You just jumped out of that car. I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm not lying to you right now. It's legitimately, I'm being honest. And there's something about being, um, so I'm a very indirect person when it comes to attraction. I'm not very, I'm not really good at direct. I was an introvert. It's just in my nature to be very indirect. Generally, what I would do is just befriend someone, go on a, a couple of dates with them, and then uh, eventually build up that attraction and let them know that you know I find a, you know I find them attractive. But there were sometimes I love pulling a direct game. I knew how to do it. I knew how to be direct with people. It was out of my nature, but I enjoyed it. And so this moment was me showing a level of directive. Like I was showing her that I'm being direct. I wasn't. I, I knew that that was the only way I could interact with this girl. If I didn't go direct, she would have just been like, this guy's a weirdo. Get away from me. So I had to tell her. And and so, but it worked direct. I knew when to be direct. And I knew most like nine times out of 10 when I use or when I, when I'm direct with someone, it works every time, like almost a majority of the time because I'm very genuine. And so a lot of people need to understand that when you're genuine and people, because girls are really good, especially girls are really good at picking up when someone's not being genuine. And so if you're not being genuine, especially about what you're saying, how you feel or anything, they'll pick up on that. 
And it's because they have a really good ability to pick up on body language. And so when I told this girl exactly what I did, what I thought of her and everything, and I did it in a very funny way, uh, because I, I, um, yeah, like it's just like the, the whole thing, she just could see it. She could see that I, I was being genuine. She was like, so you think I'm the most attractive girl you've met here in Austin so far? And I was like, yeah, honestly, I had to just meet you to validate if you were just something more than just the most attractive girl. There was something about you that I felt that you are. And her friend was like, yeah, she's actually, uh, I, f- I forget what her friend said, but she was like, she's something else. And I was like, you see, perfect. Okay. And I was like, oh my God, your friend's helping me meet you right now. And so they started laughing. They were like, who are you? Where are you from? I was like, I'm from Florida. I'm here visiting friends. My friend's probably going to hate me right now. But um, I, I just, I, I wanted to get to know you. They were like, well, we're on our way to uh, the college campus. We were getting ready to study for an exam. Um, but I mean, you seem kind of interesting there was like we've never had someone and her friend was like no one's ever done something like that it was so weird and i mean and she was like i don't know there's something about you that it seems pretty interesting she was like what are you doing later tonight i was like i'm always out and about like i just like hanging out and there's uh um my friends were telling me about this area where uh, essentially the bars are it's like a residential area it looks like a residential area but essentially all the houses have bars inside of them and they were like oh uh yeah, that's uh, Rainy Street. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're planning on going there later tonight. You'll be there? I was like, yeah. They're like, cool. And I was like, yeah, cool. But I don't want to end this interaction. They were like, but your friend. I was like, yeah, he was trying to go to Whole Foods. I don't want to go to Whole Foods right now. I want to get to know you a little bit more. And she was like, okay. I mean, but by the time we get to college, you're probably not going to be able to enter with us. I was like, that's fine. You know, just chit-chat for a little bit. Got nothing, nothing else better to do. And where I'm staying, actually, is not too far from UT anyways. And she was like, okay that's oh like lead the way and i was like uh no i don't even know where i'm going from here you lead the way they started laughing and i remember calling carrie and and carrie was kind of like waiting at like a uh like another block down and he was like how's everything going and i put him on speaker and i remember telling him like hey i'm gonna be hanging out with these girls uh for the rest of the day um so you can just head to whole foods by yourself <laughs> and he was like, okay. Anyways, long story short, uh, nothing really happened uh, with those girls. It was a, a really great story. We did meet up uh, again afterwards, but I ended up finding out that um, there were like this local guy group that was also like super attractive with her. And I just didn't want to, my point wasn't trying to compete with other guys. Like my point was just to try to work out a muscle that I just, I only had a limited amount of time. I wasn't living in Austin. Like if I was living there and I really wanted to attract this girl, sure. But if there was a guy there that really liked her, I was like, I'm not going to steal her from him. And like, literally I'm going to leave in a couple days anyways. So what's the point? I was like, if I wanted to though, I probably could have pursued something, but I just didn't. So really it was such an interesting uh, interaction. But essentially those were two of a million stories that happened in those 70 hours. And at the very end, I remember finally getting a validation from all the coaches. And they were like, if you want to be a coach, you know, we'll put in a good word uh, to, uh, to Adam. And, um, you know, maybe he'll, he'll pick you up. And I was like, Oh my God, you guys, this would be my biggest dream if I could work for him. 
And lo and behold, yeah, I ended up working for Adam for quite some time. And it was an awesome experience, you know, being able to help so many people out there. I never did the live-in program. I, I, I kind of regret not doing it. Um, I could have easily volunteered. I would have had to move to Austin and done that. And I had kind of had my own life in Orlando that I was doing. And essentially when I wasn't busy working with my professional career at the time, I was out traveling through North America, helping people with the same issues that I had that I never had a coach for. And so essentially uh, that is kind of a summarization of my whole, like that honestly is nothing when I'm not lying. When I say that is maybe 0.01% of all my social interactions, I could write a book, multiple books, actually, Adam, I'll never forget one of his, his disappointing moments for me is the fact that, he has always looked at me and told me, you should really start your own coaching program. Like you should, you should have already written a book by now, man. Like, what are you doing? And so, um, Adam, it's, it's getting there. Trust me. You know, this podcast is the start, but I promise you that eventually I'm going to have an ebook sometime soon. But, um, he told me that like five years ago (laughs) and I still haven't done it yet, but, and I know how to do it too. And it's, that's the pathetic part about me. And I think next week I'll love to talk about just projects that I, I got should have started or did start and didn't continue and how other people or other businesses did them and how they've become very successful. Um, like I thought about grocery delivery way before it was even a, a, an idea in most people's eyes. And I called the company Grovery because it was grocery delivery. I own a domain name and uh, I was dating my first girlfriend when I came up with the idea or actually my second girlfriend when I came up with the idea and uh, I had this idea about how to do it in my local hometown and I never never committed to it and now there's Instagram uh, like um, Instacart you know Uber delivery Uber Eats and that could have been my business started off in Florida I had it all planned out just like how they're doing it now and I just never did it I even had a relationship with a with a story. Anyways, we're not gonna talk about that. That'll be another time, but that'll be a good podcast to have about initiatives that I should have started and I didn't, and how you know they've bit me in the ass. That's why that feeling that I had about this um, pursuing attraction and how that's changed my life and how now I can be expressive and 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 share whatever with people and and interact with anyone and and literally pursue whatever I want to pursue in life because I just have that level of confidence now. Because I've done everything. I've done things that most people would be like, that is the stupidest story ever. I've done that. I've done it plus more. Really embarrassing stories, people. Like, I cannot wait to talk about them. And so I just touched on a couple of them. And, um, but that fire, I'm feeling towards this podcast. And it's it's brewing. And it's just like how it started with when I first got into the, uh, like, being a dating coach and, and learning attraction and being able to, to coach attraction. I'm feeling that in this now. Like I'm, I'm applying my myself the same way I did with that. Every single day, committing to a daily commitment to, to doing this and getting it off the ground, making those struggles, having it not be perfect. Look, I understand this is day 31. This podcast is too long. I'm not even living up to the words that I said where I wanted to start keeping these podcasts short. That starts tomorrow. Uh, I promise you guys, I'm going to try to work towards that, but this isn't going to be perfect. And I know it won't be perfect. I know what it's, what it's like to make mistakes. I've done a million of them, plenty of them. 
I don't know why I haven't done more mistakes to to torch projects that I know would be would have made me successful, not just like financially, but just internally feel a, a sense of success. But I'm not gonna let that happen with this podcast. So uh you this time around, instead of having two close friends, Andre and John, be a part of it, now I'm gonna have the entire audience. You guys are gonna be there through this entire adventure. And I hope you guys enjoy it. This one is going to be uh, one of my favorite podcasts just because I only evolved this conversation with people that ask me about my backstory. And it's pretty long. This will officially be my longest podcast. That's how important it is to me. And, and it's, it was such a summary. I mean, there's so much more I can, I can go into. But essentially, it was great. You know, working under Adam, through him, I got to meet Neil Strauss and a lot of other like very famous coaches that were brought up in the, in the book. And finding out that they're most of them are are great guys. <laughs> uh, some are just like really just chasing the tail, and that's all they care about. But majority of of the people really have a lot more to go, to, you know, for themselves and just you know what we had in common initially, which was just trying to attract women. And Adam, to this day, he's he's a great guy. I love reaching out to him and, and asking him questions about certain things, and he's doing super well. That guy is the one of the best dads out there, and um. And, and I, one day, maybe eventually if he, out of his busy schedule, that guy, he eventually got away from that, that field. He still does teachings, but he does it more on like a one-to-one level. He now, what he does more is like, he's, he's trying to branch off into multiple different entrepreneurial endeavors and he's killing it right now. I mean, this guy has his own farmland out in, in like an hour away from Austin and he has a whole bunch of houses on his property and he's just got a whole bunch of successful businesses now, and I'm just super happy for him. And he now he's finally has has in his life what he's always wanted, which is kids. He's got plenty of them. <laughs> he has more kids than I know. I mean, literally, there was a moment where I thought he was having a kid every single year, and he was. At this point, he's got five. Um, and I just, you know, nothing but super happy for him, and um, and super grateful for the opportunity to being able to through him, be able to help so many people out there and having a relationship with these people. I still talk to them and I still, we don't, I don't really like to talk about attraction with them. I like to get to, you know, know more about who they are and, and love to see them engaging with me. Um, but essentially, uh, I hope you guys, uh, got to learn a little bit about me again. Remember, through the course of this, uh, I started off with a, a selfish reason for doing this. It wasn't really selfish. It was a, a, at the time I was 21. I was very young. And I thought that me being attractive to women was going to give me the validation I was seeking in life because I was like, I, like I said, it's super down on my luck on every aspect. But through the course of doing what I was doing, I realized that it wasn't that, that I always had it in me to be funny, be engaging, be interacting and have these attractive qualities about myself that women wasn't the answer. It was just me focusing on myself and and trying to focus on what makes me happy at the end of the day. That's what was going to fill that void. And now (laughs) I'm probably one of the happiest people you guys will ever meet. I mean, honestly, a lot of my friends will always tell me like, I don't know why you laugh at the, at the silliest things all the time. It's because I know what the opposite is like. I know what low is like. I've been there. I mean, not just financially, but every point of low at the same time. Like very, I mean, honestly, I'm not even going to lie. There was a point, I obviously I didn't commit to it, but there was a point 
where I, my self-esteem was so low, I even entertained the idea just for a second. Obviously, it was a long time ago. No, you guys don't have to worry about it. I've never contemplated it since that one second. But there was a second, and I, I, I can empathize with people that that are in this position as well because I, I honestly, and I feel like I'm, I'm a very intelligent person, and I still put the idea of taking my own life and, and saying that there was nothing I could contribute to society. Luckily, when that, I think when it was that idea kind of was hinting in my mind, that's when I chose to do something about myself. And thank God I did because I've never thought like that. I, I want to live forever. Oh my God. I think this world needs Jason Navarro forever and ever and ever and ever. And I just want to keep, you know, trying new things over and over and over and over and over again and, and meeting new people. I want to meet every single person out there, but you know, there, there's always a, a, to, a, to create any level of shadow, there's always a greater source of light. And I'm glad that I, I gravitated towards that source of light in myself than I did the darkness that could have existed as well. And trust me, there was some dark areas as well. Um, and even this attraction field for a bit that I'll, I'll eventually elaborate on to this week. But I hope you guys are excited about listening about this. I'm not going to go so much in about teachings per se. I'll, I'll hint at it here and there, but really all of that stuff is very individually uh, driven. Everyone has a different thing that they're struggling with. There are things that in most people have in common, which is generally like 70% of people don't know how to approach a stranger. And the other 30% don't know how to, um, to essentially remind themselves of the purpose of why they're engaging with someone and, and how to, to converse that with the, with the person that they're, or ex- like, not converse it, but to let that person know what their intentions are. And so people just don't know how to do that. And so that's, the, but I'm not going to go over the techniques on that. Like that is just, like I said, it's very specific. You, you would have to tell me what you're struggling with. And I mean, if that's something that you guys are interested in, I mean, of course, I mean, it's, it's not free knowledge. Um, but I mean, if it's not too detailed of a question, I don't mind giving some advice here and there. Um, I've done it plenty of times in my life. I honestly should charge people more often for this kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I know how important it is to have someone teach you things and, and be there as your as a coach. Because, like I said, it would have saved me two years of a struggle trying to learn this stuff. I would have learned that all in literally six months if I had someone that was there giving me direction. And because it took me two years to get to the point where I was so confident that Adam told me, like, hey, you could potentially be a coach for me. And then in the 70 hours I did that extreme program where I had all the coaches in the world helping me out. I went like those, I felt like I did four years more of what I did in the two years to get to that level of success. I felt like I did that four years of success in that 70 hours, like of hardcore training. And so, um, yeah, uh, I hope uh, you guys enjoy this. I'm going to stop. <laughs> like you know, a lot of this should be stuff I, I bring up this week. So I'm like shooting myself in the foot about things I could talk about, but this week, guys, is going to be about traction and about my journey and stories and learnings and everything that I could pretty much elaborate on. And hopefully by the end of this week, one of you guys that says that you're you're more than likely going to be able to come on will commit by Monday, Tuesday, hopefully, please, uh, so I can have you guys on on Sunday so we can elaborate a little bit more on that subject. But anyways, thank you guys so much. I love you guys for, for listening to this. And... I'll catch you guys manana. Peace.